Welcome to Live Happily Ever Awesome. Join me and PACT certified therapist Julie Rappaport where we discuss relationships, learn how to bring the magic back to yours, and become a better partner. To join the discussion live, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Clydesdale Media. Sign up for notifications so you can call in with your questions or just join the chat. Be sure to like and share these episodes with your partner and friends. The following presentation is not therapy or a substitute for therapy. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Live Happily Ever Awesome. This is episode number six, Avoidantly Attached with Julie Rappaport, your PACT certified couples therapist, the star of the show. Julie, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Happy Wednesday. This is our, this is our new regular time, Wednesday at noon, uh, 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Yes, for the most part. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'll talk. Barring. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk. Sounds good. So last week, we talked about anxious attachment styles, and mm-hmm. we dug into that. And this week, we are doing, I was calling it avoidance attachment, and you corrected me to a word that my computer does not like, doesn't think it's a real word. <laughs> Yeah. So avoidantly attached. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, avoidant, avoidant attachment uh, is kind of the other side of what's called insecurely attached. Um, and what was I, I just completely lost my train of thought, but um, it'll, it'll pick back up. Um, but it is, oh, in packed terms, mm-hmm. we call them islands. So somebody who is more avoidantly attached is referenced as an island. Um, and, you know, if you kind of picture an island unto itself, like just its own little little thing, um, that's kind of the image of what an, the avoidantly attached individual is it's very uh they are very kind of um isolated more independent highly independent um to almost to a fault uh they don't they see uh reliance on another person as weak typically uh they don't understand why somebody can't do it on their own, um, you know, as opposed to maybe the anxiously attached, who's like, let's do it together. Every, you know, let's it, they're all about that. Um, so when, when an avoidantly attached individual is paired with an anxiously attached individual, um, oftentimes, you know, there's this, uh, quick judgment of one another where the anxiously attached person is like, you're so selfish and self-centered. And the other, the avoidantly attached person is you're so needy and, you know, you're just, uh, you can't do anything on your own kind of thing. And so that's kind of the basic rub that happens between those two. Now people might say, well, why would that ever work? Why would they even, why would an anxiously attached or a wave want to be with an island or an island want to be with a wave? 
wouldn't it be easier if just waves were with waves and islands were with islands? Um, yes and no. Uh, you know, it, it they all come with their own challenges, each structure. Um, but the reason why islands and waves tend to gravitate towards one another is that the universe has, you know, a sense of humor <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, we all are consciously or unconsciously trying to become whole in terms of, you know, our journey here on, on this planet, what, you know, what, what you believe in you know, religiously has nothing to really do with it. It's just kind of evolutionary. Um, and so the, you know, unconsciously, the island looks at the wave and says, wow, they really, you know, look out for others. They really um, are in tune with others. They're in tune with their emotions. These are all things that are challenging for me. And again, this is not conscious, Um and so they seek those people out to kind of help them gravitate towards that direction and vice versa with the wave to the island. They see them as extremely independent. They can do things on their own. They uh, are very self-reliant. These are things that are not easy for a wave. And so they are attracted to that. Now, when they get into relationship, those are the very things that bother the shit out of one another. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a, you know, an underbelly to it all. Um, but getting back to the avoidant, um, the avoidant, the reason typically the, the, one of the main reasons why they are the way they are is due to a kind of neglect, I would say, and neglect, you know, there's a big end neglect and a little end neglect. Mm -hmm. But neglect in terms of perhaps their parents were working um, all the time. Perhaps they just were vacationing all the time and kind of had a nanny there. Um, you know, that the children didn't feel like attuned to. Um, they weren't paid attention to. Uh, you know, lots of stories of oh yeah, I, I played baseball growing up and my parents never made it to a game. You know, kind of those sorts of things or um, very, uh, a lot of times their families where, they come from families where um, emotions just aren't valued, aren't, uh, they just, you know, it's kind of, the, the stories would be, uh, oh yeah, we just, we did do emotion. You know, my basic needs were provided for, but emotion, no way. Um, and so what transpires with that uh, a lot of times is islands, uh, you know, these kids tend to spend a lot of time alone. Uh, you know, the stories of, oh, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time alone outside, a lot of time alone in my room. Um, and as a result, they become more what's called an auto-regulator, um, meaning in order to entertain themselves because there's not a relationship to, to bond with and to uh, throw the ball back and forth with, so to speak, they wind up entertaining themselves with, you know, video games or reading or uh, 
you know, anything that could be that they just that take that dissociates. They then go into their heads a lot. They have a very uh, they tend to have a very rich um, imaginary world. Um, and you can understand that given the fact that, you know, they, they're having to take care of themselves. Uh, they don't have a parent parental figure that's doing that for them. And so they become, uh, they, and they're entertaining themselves in whatever way they can. And so they're reaching for these other things to help them kind of go into their own world, which is then very, it's dissociative, it's imaginary, it's, um, and it relaxes them. Um, now, uh, you know, these are other, these are also kids that when they would get upset, parents would send them, you know, say, go to your room. And so they really have to manage themselves. They learn that they don't get to relationally, they don't get it um, to co-regulate with their parent. The parent doesn't help them regulate themselves and talk about anything. They are pretty much, you know, either overtly or covertly told to be quiet. Don't we don't talk about that and go to your room and deal with it. And so you can understand the extreme self-reliance as they grow up. You can understand the kind of what's seen in relationships as selfishness, as self-centeredness, because they all they had to worry about themselves because nobody else was. Yeah, and exactly. so it, it, it's inherent that you become selfish or self-centered because that's how you survive. So, and, and maybe I don't necessarily identify with this um, attachment style. So that's kind of why I'm not getting it. Cause at first, when you mentioned, you know, being very independent and, and things like that, I thought, oh, that's me. Right. But then when you described sort of how you're raised and, and things, I certainly wasn't neglected. And, you know, I don't know, maybe emotions were sort of, you know, not front and center um, with sharing with each other and things like that. But um, I wonder if, and tell me, do people, if that were me, I would think that I would crave sort of the, the other side of that and not necessarily um, be, you know, looking for, to be selfish, but I'd almost crave like having someone want to be emotional with me or want to take care of me because I was so tired of taking care of myself. Is that a phenomenon that can happen with those types of people? <clears throat> so you, hold you, on you, for a second. Okay. Okay. Um, you make a good point. It's, it's, this is how islands and waves are kind of drawn to one another as well, is that they can, you know, this could be a similar sort of situation, similar um, with a wave where they're kind of not, they're not attuned to, but the wave handles it with always yearning for that, always wanting, like hoping that one day their parent will do this, that if they just do this or they just do that, or they just, then maybe they'll finally get that. And so they crave it and crave it and crave it. Um, and that's where the resentment comes in is because they never got it. Now, islands cope in a different way. They might have the same scenario, but they are like, that's never going to happen. Um, so I better just stop. I'm, I'm just, I'm not even going to want it. I don't even want it because it's not going to happen. So they cope in a very 
they just are self-protective. Um, and then, so they, they don't, they're not in touch with that at all. Once they get in touch with it through therapy and everything, then they're, they're, um, because they are also sensitive to rejection. Um, because they, <laughs> and which of course goes into abandonment as well, but they're, I would say they're more sensitive, whereas the wave is more sensitive to abandonment an island is more sensitive to rejection, which also translates into abandonment, but it's a different flavor. Um, and because they were, they felt rejected as, as a kid, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where they, but they are very much, okay, that's the way it is. And I'm moving on. Like they do not dwell more in the past and wishing and hoping, and they are not oriented that way. They are more like, okay, that's that. We move on. We don't need to dwell in the past. We move on. We're very future oriented, whereas waves are really stuck in the past. They um, and they want to kind of resolve the past, go dig in the past, and um, they have a hard time moving forward. So it's you know again, these are two different coping strategies of of, of a similar wound, but um, then that's where they diverge, and so that's where they contend in relationships to be like, you know, foreign entities to one another. Okay. You, um, you brought up an interesting point about the difference, rejection and abandonment. Can you dive into that a little bit more, the difference between the two? Yeah. So if we just take it as like a wave versus an island. Um, so the wave with the abandonment issue is, you know, that's when they, they kind of become clingy or needy because they're so afraid of somebody leaving them. Um, they finally have somebody there, you know, and, uh, and they don't want that to go. Um, now inadvertently, of course, becoming extremely clingy and needy can, can be, away. yeah, <laughs> self-sabotaging. Yeah. Um, but of course it's a dynamic because typically that's in relationship with an island who needs space and wants space and also sees neediness as um, weak. Um, and so, uh, but the, the island has a huge, you know, um, one of the main issues, main core wounds that they have and the emotion that they feel is shame. Um, it, it's kind of an internalization of, you know, if parents aren't there, they don't, you know, they're neglectful. Uh, they kind of feel like a piece of shit mm. um, and, and kind of believe that to their core. Um, and this is of course a generalization. Not everybody does, but like they're a piece of shit or they're a fuck up. They can't do this anything. Is, these right. are, I'm sorry, these are islands or waves? These are islands. Islands, okay. Um, and and so they feel rejected, right, from their parents. Like there's mm -hmm. something wrong with them that they were then not attuned to. And so that is a sensitivity that they have is that keeps them in relationship is they don't want to be uh, rejected which then, of course, is, you know, if somebody leaves them, it's a form of abandonment or, sorry, a form of rejection. Like they didn't, there was something wrong with them that they left kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
Do I, if islands are fear and rejection too, do they sometimes put up with a lot more than they should to avoid rejection perhaps? Or is that more of a, of a way of behavior? Yeah. I mean, it's, I would say toleration is, you know, I think they both do that, but of course it looks differently. Um, Islands, islands just want to, they're trying their best to not do it wrong. And in other, in other words, they're trying their best to do to get it right. They just want to get it right. They just want to make their partner happy. They just want to, you know, not be the fuck up to, you know, and not, not be, get it wrong. And, (laughs) and so they will tolerate criticism. They will tolerate these, these complaints from their partner, um, all, all in the meantime, hitting on their core wound of they're getting it wrong. Right. Sure. Um, in hopes that eventually they'll get it right. So in that sense, they, uh, they will tolerate that all with the kind of internal drive of, I'm going to get it right this time. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to, you know, somehow, and therefore I'll be okay. Kind of thing. Okay. And then, so is it, would it be more like waves then that like, who's the doormat basically is what I'm trying to get at. (laughs) I would say, uh, (laughs) I mean, it's a really good question. I would say outwardly would be the wave. Okay. Inwardly would be the island. Mm, Okay. That makes sense. Um, and the other thing that happens with islands, um, and this is something we, I didn't talk about with the anxiously attached or the waves is, um, because, and this is, I think, pretty important to understand because the, the island was not raised with emotions with a family who doesn't do emotions. If you think of, so then they become, I'll go back to that, but they think, think about, um, so these, these individuals, these islands become what's called a low signaler. Okay. Explain that. Meaning uh, you can't really read their face. You have like a lot of times, you know, uh, people that have, are in relationship with an island, they will be like, I cannot read them. I have no idea what they're thinking, feeling, because oftentimes there's just a blankness to their face. Whereas uh, waves tend to be what's called a high signaler where you could, I mean, it's, it's obvious what they're thinking, feeling kind of thing. They're just very easy to read. Um, And so with that, you have to understand that the brain has a negative bias, meaning if there is no input of information if people aren't saying things, if people aren't expressing things, if it's blank, uh, neutral is actually negative. Hmm. So that's something that we work on with islands is helping them and helping their partner help them to move their face because the last thing they want is their partner thinking something negative because then it could come across as criticism or judgment or um, which is the very thing they hate the most. So it's better for them if they're not feeling unhappy in any way to be overly exaggerative with their face. 
um, so that their partner doesn't go to a negative place because they will. Uh, it is, they also aren't very communicative uh, they because they've tended to go inside. They don't need to talk. They don't need to process anything. Um, and so their partner also is left going, I don't know you. Uh, I And they, without, with lack of information, they go to negative. They assume, their partners assume negative. And so it's better to share if you're not feeling negatively, it's better to share, uh, which will feel like oversharing to them. Mm. But uh, I, I advise them to overshare because their overshare is never going to be an overshare. It just never will be. They just aren't oriented that way. It'll <laughs> just be sharing, right? So I have an analogy. That. I have an analogy for that. It's when you're coaching someone in Olympic lifting and they can't get triple extension and you tell them to jump, right? And it's like, you know, they're not actually going to get their feet off the ground necessarily. Like the person that's the person in the corner that's already doing it right now is exaggerating it. You don't want right. them to listen to you. But the right. person that's not getting their feet off the ground, it's like, damn it, just jump. Just jump. Yeah. yeah. But it's, you know, it's unfamiliar and weird and awkward. And so, but it's in their best interest to be uh, as expressive as possible and as communicative as possible because it will prevent their partner from going into negativity. So and no news is not good news for these exactly, people, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, their partner, if they're with a wave is, is already oriented towards negativity. So, uh, they just really exacerbates need to, the problem. Exactly. Um, and there was one other piece I was going to say about them. Oh, the reason why they have these more still faces or they're low signaling is it's, and it's, this just makes my heart break that all children, you know, they just, we all, they're just naturally expressive. We just, we just are, you know, until, until we're kind of trained not to be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, imagine this kid who's in, you know, expressing an emotion, whether it's anger, sadness, upset of some sort and they're in a um their parent you know they're expressing it and it's more of a higher signaling system but their parent looks at it and says no we don't do that or you know boys don't cry or you know something like that shuts it down yeah somebody shuts, shuts it, it down. down or just completely ignores it right mm. so the kid that is i mean excruciatingly painful and so the kid, the island copes with that by saying, you know, of course, unconsciously, um, I just won't, if I don't show anything, then there's nothing for them to miss. And then I, then I don't have to experience the pain. Mm, and yeah, so that's... I'll just shut down everything so that then I don't feel the pain. There's no, they're not missing anything. It's just the way it is. And so that's kind of a, a microcosm of how islands function and cope with things is eh, we just shut it down and just move on. Yeah. Does it ever get to a point where, I mean, what happens when, is it, is it, is it similar to when people sort of shove emotion down? Do they, are they going to, is there a volcano on that island? <laughs> <laughs> yes. They are, you know, they, they can tend towards rage. Mm -hmm. 
but oftentimes they really aren't in there. I mean, these, these individuals are actually tend, you know, can tend to be really sensitive people and sweet and you just wouldn't know it because it's so shut. They're so cut off from that because they had to be that once you start doing some work in, in sessions, it's like, and you can encourage them to, to start getting in touch with that as well as if they're doing individual work, that's, that really is helpful too. Um, the, the, the plethora of emotions and sensitivity that are there, it just is, I mean, it's, it's extremely heartwarming and, and tender and, uh, it, it just, it, it fills them out as a person once they are able to do that. Yeah. So what are some things that, um, avoidantly attached people should consider or think about to, to set themselves up for healthier relationships just in general? Well, I think the the thing is that I think islands might have a little bit of a harder time um, in terms of being in a relationship because of the fact that they're oriented as a one person system. That's how they grew up. You know, they had to be. And so, you know, it's, it's ironic then that they get into a relationship. There's something in their system that's wanting that intimacy connection, you know, but Mm -hmm their orientation does not set them up for success with that. They default to, um, I take care of me, you take care of you, we'll be good, right? And that is really just kind of uh, your living parallel lives kind of thing. Um, Or they like to be king kind of thing where I take care of me and you take care of me. And then, of course, that sets up for an unfair relationship and they get really, um, especially if they're with a a wave, that's not going to go well at all. Um, If they're if an island is with another island, uh, you know, that could work really well. Sure. However, then they then they are, uh, you know, on their own islands and figuring, trying to figure out their, their issue then would be to figure out how do, how do we even create intimacy, uh, connection, you know, they kind of yearn for that. There's, there can be an emptiness on that level. So wherever you go, there you are kind of thing. But, um, but I would say that they have to start challenging their thinking in terms of, Oh, I do want to say just one caveat is that islands can also exist due to an over-involved parent. Mm, Okay. uh, Which is a little bit, you know, kind of counterintuitive, but um, an over-involved parent is just, you know, in their face, always, you know, kind of that helicopter parent. And sometimes these kids feel like they just, you know, they're just like, get out like there is nothing of me you are taking 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 of me Mm -hmm. and there's nothing left of me and so they then kind of distance themselves and uh just become hyper independent because of that now that then translates into their fear of intimacy um because 
they fear that if they attach and somebody is relying on them for any reason, there's going to be nothing left of them. They're going to, that other person is just going to take like, like suck them dry, like their parent did. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And so they have a real fear of being engulfed. Mm. Um, And even if that didn't happen as their, uh, you know, if their parent wasn't um, overly intrusive or enmeshed, um, they still have that fear of being engulfed because their sense of self is so important to survival, right? They Because they're such a, a singular system that if somebody is relying on them, they will just take um, and they won't exist anymore. And so it really is like an existential crisis that they get into. Yeah. What, um, how do, how do islands parent? Yeah. Um, so without. Typically, uh, stereotypically, how do they parent? Without, you know, without, um, awareness of it, they would be more on the neglectful side. They would be more on the, um, let them do what they want to do. Um, oh, my kid is fine. Um, you know, the reason that also the thing that kind of, sorry, I'm kind of bouncing all around, but we're following the thing that goes, that kind of creates an Island, right? If, if an Island is parenting an Island, um, that's likely to create or uh, parenting a child is likely to create an Island because they are coming from the perspective of you're just fine the way, you know, you're fine. You could take care of it yourself. Uh, you don't, you don't need me. And if you do, you're weak kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, these, uh, what happens is you'll often hear a parent say, yeah, I mean, he's such an easy kid. He's just so easy. And oftentimes that's a red flag for me to think, oh, perhaps you're, um, you're not, you're not to him because these kids um, mm-hmm. are easy because We were talking about, I said kids aren't easy. You said that's a red flag sometimes when a parent says, oh, the child's so easy. It's maybe that they're not paying attention. Yeah. I mean, these kids learn that if they're not being tended to, they, they just take care of themselves. They're fine. Right. Mm -hmm. They're they're just fine. And so they don't bother their parents with things they don't. um, And so the, the parents, you know, oftentimes are like, oh, they're good. They're so easy. You know, and it's like, mm, if you really checked in with them of what's going on, they might have some things that they need help with or what have you. Um, but going back to, yeah, what islands need to do is really start to focus on what it means to be a team and a good team player. Mm-hmm. Um, that we come into this world uh, needy. We've talked about this. We, we are not fully developed when we come into this world. We all have needs, all of us. And so to, to bet, to depend on another person is natural. It's not weak. It's, but they have been programmed to think that. So kind of challenging that thinking, um, that they actually, if they really think about it, I mean, they could fulfill all of their own needs, they, they probably could, 
We probably all could, but we are going to burn our resources. We are going to burn ourselves out. We are going to then what's, we have a lot of what's called allostatic load, meaning there's just, you're burning up resources, which then creates um, other hosts of problems like heart attacks, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, you know, autoimmune disorders, just these things that it, it will take so much, burn so many resources that the other things will then begin to fall apart. And they don't, people don't put it together that, you know, oh, they have high blood pressure. It's because they are so self-reliant that they think depending on another person is weak. Um, but it, there's a correlation. Yeah. But you could be a workaholic and not be an island, right? Maybe. Mm, um Yes and no. I would say that it tends to be that most aholics mm. are islands. Most really. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's dig into that a little bit. That's interesting. <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, they get a lot of sense of self worth from these other things. Um, you know, like work. They are if they're successful in work, then they're not a fuck up. Right. So it is, they then dive into that so that they can try to be successful. So then they can have that sense of self-worth, um, which mitigates the shame that they feel. Hmm. Okay. Um, now the other thing is that they, um, these, you know, what we talked about, the auto regulatory systems like video games, um, just computers or, you know, um, crossword puzzles. Yeah. I mean, like any, any social media, you know, that is just like a rabbit hole for islands, especially, but I mean, all of us, but for them, especially, (laughs) um, but they then, you know, there's a tendency towards escapism, Right. So not only is the work a way that they can mitigate their shame, it's also a way to escape. Same with drugs, alcohol, uh, sex, porn, all of these, uh, you know, addiction type behaviors are ways to escape. And so um, because they have more of a propensity towards that because of their imprinting from childhood, um, that's why we tend to see them as more as islands, more as um, aholics. All right. Yeah. I'm just going to take this away and close out the show. We're here next week. We need we need um, topics. I would like to understand. I think there's two more attachment styles that aren't avoidantly or anxious attachments. And I'd love to know more about those. If you guys want to hear about them, maybe we can dig into that. Um there's a plethora of subjects that we, you know, could spend a lot of time on. Someone was talking about the five love languages last time and, uh, and whatever else. And if Julie, if you have any parting words, you can say them now. I won't be able to hear you, but the listeners will. And then I will shut us down for the episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess. Give me the high five and I'll, and I'll go. What is one thing an avoidantly attached person can do to improve their relationships? Um, yeah, I would say, you know, that um, 
focusing on their partner if they're with a if they're with a wave um probably the best thing to do is learn how to make that person feel important so um whether it is you know they know their love language is uh acts of service so then maybe doing little acts of service or uh even just piping in like you know you matter so much to me uh you are so important to me those things even though they sound you know weird uh go a long way so if they can make their partner feel like they matter uh that will be they will they will reap the benefits of that good yes good therapy is is a good good way to go too um, It, does anyone have any other questions before we close out? Just you could put them in the chat or you could. Um... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think Jody being able to figure out what his love language is would be helpful for you. Um, if he, you know, I, it, oftentimes it's acts of service or, um, you know, little little things like, you know, little notes, like you could leave him a little note on his car that says, have a good day or thinking of you or a text that says thinking of you throughout the day, just so he feels like you're thinking of him. He matters to you. He's important. You couldn't just go about your life without him. Um, so I think that would go a long way. Um, anyway, uh, so if anyone has any other questions, feel free to drop them in. Otherwise, you know, um, just wondering what y'all would want to hear about, um, any future topics that you're interested in. Um, I, I can always come up with some, but just want to cater to you guys if you have any burning, uh, topics that you'd like. So are we done? Yeah. Okay. Guys, thanks yeah. for hanging out. We'll fix this eventually. Mm -hmm.